Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But let's go back into verse 10 in our text this morning. It says, Do not fear now any of those things which you are about to suffer. About to suffer. Notice that. The early church did go through, and this specific church went through some very difficult things, and God has allowed it. But He was with them through it. And and that's one thing to always remember. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us today on Truth in Christ Radio with Pastor Rob Kellogg. The Christians in Smyrna suffered under persecution, and they were afraid. Sometimes we think that Christians who endure persecution are almost superhuman, and we sometimes don't appreciate the depths of the fear they struggle with. There were things which they were about to suffer, and Jesus wanted them ready to stand against those things. According to Jesus, the persecution about to come against the Christians of Smyrna was from the devil. However, we also know that the devil's actions are always measured and limited by God. Now let's join Pastor Rob. He deserves our very life. When you think about what he, um, the, the God of glory, God in human flesh came down to this earth. Do you, do you understand the great, the great jump that that was? to be the creator of all things, and then to come down to an earth, to a creation that you built, and then to have that creation, the capstone of your creation, man, to have man turn against you so much so that even his own people, the Jews and the Gentiles, all of us are complicit in Christ's death on the cross. Jews and Gentiles, as they nailed him to the cross, as they screamed out, we will not have this man be ruler over us, crucify him, crucify him. We were all complicit. And so Jesus understood this. But he says, notice, but you are rich. The word is plosios, and this literally means uh, abounding with wealth. Abounding with wealth. Or it could be virtu- or, you know, um, eternal possessions, non-physical possessions. It could mean that. And it sounds very similar to our word pleasure in English, in our English um, language. In Psalm 16, verse 11, remember David, in this prophetic psalm, he says, You will show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so we look forward to a time with the Lord, and everybody wants to be with the Lord, but they don't understand that there's only one way to God the Father. There's only one way to inherit heaven, and that is to to receive Christ, to be born again. And that's what Jesus said. And there's no other way, but it's open to every single human being. 
open to everyone. You know, so many people today are hung up on the here and now. And, and, and what happens? You live maybe 70 years, maybe 90 years. Some people who are very fortunate, they live to be 100 or more. Um, very seldomly does that happen. But, you know, but after your short life here, think of that. After it ends, there is eternity. You know, and it's so easy to be short-sighted while we're here on this earth. We can be so short-sighted and we fritter away our lives. with the, and, and then we, we fail to realize that our time is so short, it's so limited, and the reward is so little on this earth. And what did Jesus say in Matthew 6 on the Mount of Beatitudes? In verse 19, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break through, break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your, will your heart be also. And uh, so many people today amassing riches, and, and it's, just, it's not going to be for anything. It's going to go to somebody else when they pass on. But it's better to be rich toward God. It's better to be rich toward His kingdom. And where is your treasure? Really, where is your treasure? You know, is, it, is, is your treasure something you can, you can look at? Is it something that you can hold in your hand? Certainly we treasure our wives, our families, our kids, and there's nothing wrong with that. We can, we can treasure them. But ultimately, where is, where, 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 what is our real expectation? What are we hoping for? That, that's a, a really good question. So giving your heart to Christ and being with Him forevermore is the best decision. In James chapter 2, verse 5, James said to the, the Jews, to the church, he said, Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He has promised to those who love Him? And He has. He's given eternal life to those who love Him. Let's go on in verse 9 there. He says, I know your tri- works, your tribulation, your poverty, but you are rich. And I also know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. This word blasphemy is really interesting because it, it really means vilification. It means speaking evil of something and someone. And it's specifically, it usually means the Lord Himself. And, and that's where we mostly encounter the word blasphemy. But blasphemy is actually a word that could be used for anyone that you tend to slander or speak injurious about. You know, it's interesting when you think about, you know, many people uh, are tempted to think that because Jesus was born into the Jewish race that he would cut the Jews some slack, but he doesn't. Uh, The Lord is not partial. He's um, He's not partial to anyone. He's not a respecter of persons, as the King James says. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17, it says, The Lord your God is a God of gods and a Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. And boy, if the judges in this country and even members of Congress, if they were like this, the world would be a completely different place. But we know that this world is not our home. So we are not looking to make earth a utopia. We know that this earth has got a destiny, and uh, it's, it's, it's not pretty. Uh, and so, But there is no partiality with God, it says in Romans 2.11. And even in the New Testament, Jesus never uh, held the Jews uh, in such 
close esteem that he never rebuked them. In, in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, what did he call them? He said, you guys are a brood of vipers. They were very religious men, but they had failed to see all of the prophecies of the Old Testament, speaking of Christ, speaking of when he would come, how he would come, into what tribe he would come from. There were so many prophecies, and you've, you've known all this. If you've been with us for any length of time, we've gone through a number of these things. Prophecies that have been fulfilled very literally, very specifically, and yet they were so hard-hearted, and Jesus wasn't the kind of deliverer they were hoping for. They wanted someone to deliver them from Rome, but instead they got a meek and lowly Lamb of God who came and died for the sins of the world. They didn't want anything to do with that kind of leader, uh, even though that leader could have redeemed them from their sins, and ultimately they would spend eternity in glory. But many of those men are not in glory. They are, they are in hell. They are not in heaven. So, he says here in this last part of verse 9, he says, They say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. The, the Jews at this time, they, they had a, uh, Jesus called them a synagogue of Satan. And, and whether there was a synagogue there in Smyrna, it, there probably was, because wherever there's at least 10 or more Jews, uh, males, they, they would have a, they'd build a synagogue. But it could have been also the, the Jews... Uh, infiltrating or being amongst the church and persecuting uh, the church as a result of their belief in Jesus, because they did not believe in Jesus, even though they should have. They and you know they 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 crucified him along with the Gentiles. But he called them a synagogue of Satan because God had so much more for them than what they were experiencing, much more for them than what they were doing. They should have been. Uh, they should have come into the church. They should have realized the, the, the scriptures like we all know them. They should have embraced Jesus. They should have become part of the church. The church is made up of Jews and Gentiles. Anyone can come, right? The only uh, prerequisite is that you believe in Christ and what he did on the cross for you and that he's coming again. Do you believe that? Because that is the only entrance. And so these Jews were persecuting uh, the Christians at this time. And they were not fulfilling what they should have. In fact, in Romans 2, verse 28, Paul says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. Because Jews, they, um, you know, if, the, 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 there's no doubt that these men were Jewish in ethnicity, but their calling and what they stood for, Jesus didn't even recognize because they, they had totally missed the point. And so in a sense he's saying, even though you're one outwardly, um, you are not one inwardly. In fact, he says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. And so it's more important to have the circumcision of the heart, where God uh, cuts away all that flesh in our heart. And, and that's done by offering ourselves up to him and confessing our sin and doing away with those things that we know aren't right. And each one of us knows there are things in our life that we ought to be shedding. We ought to be getting rid of those things. And believe me, you can try in the flesh to do that, but you're going to come back to it. The only, the only hope for any of us is to, uh, to ask Christ into our hearts. He has the power to give you to overcome those areas of sin and give you, and give you true repentance. That doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect, because you're going to struggle from time to time. But as you get further along in your walk, you should be getting better, in a sense. Even though you might not feel better, 
God is weaning you and, and, and removing things from your life. In fact, in, in his letter, Jesus' letter here in the next chapter that we're going to look at uh, to the church in Philadelphia, what did, what did he say to them? He says in uh, Revelation 3, verse 8, he says, I know your works. Again, now he's speaking to the church at Philadelphia. I know your works, and see, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. And if you have, for you have a little strength, and have kept my word, and have not denied my name, and here it is, indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. And so there, there can be a, Jew, a, a, a Jewish person who is a physical Jew, but if their heart isn't right toward God, God is saying, I don't even recognize that. You can, you can go through all the rituals, and you can go through all the things that you've done and your ancestors have gone through, because the, the real Jews are the ones like Abraham who believed in God by faith. People like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Moses, they all got it. They all understood this idea. But let's go back into verse 10 in our text this morning. It says, Do not fear now any of those things which you are about to suffer. About to suffer. Notice that. The early church did go through, and this specific church went through some very difficult things, and God has allowed it. But He was with them through it. And and that's one thing to always remember. Whenever you're going through a difficulty, I was just talking to a woman the other day, and and she was crying on the phone with me, and a dear sister. And so many things are going on in her life, and it was just so difficult. Things were just so difficult. It just seemed like things were piling up and piling up. And, and I wanted to encourage her and to say, you know what? God is uh, he's not going to leave you and cry out to Him. You know, This is the time when you're going through all of those things to not allow your heart to be hardened, but rather say, Lord, whatever you want to do, I just want to, I want your peace. I want you to do the work in me that you're desiring to do. Because it, it does do that, doesn't it? When we go through difficulties, when we go through trials, things in our life, well, what do those things do? They can either make us bitter or they can make us better. And one of you, all of us, respond in one of two ways. You can get bitter and angry toward God or, you can, or it can make you better. You can actually say, God, I know you're allowing this, and, and, it's, and you may not be doing this specifically to me, but you're allowing it for a reason. I don't understand why it is, but I submit to your authority, whatever it is that you want to do. That's the right way to think of it. And you know what? You'll find that God, uh, He can make that, that trial go away much quicker because he, he might have allowed it to just get you to that place where you look up. Most people don't look up anymore. They're just looking to their own means. They're looking to their credit card. They're looking to their 501k or, or uh, 401k. Uh, they're, they're looking to their, their physical things and resources. They, they very seldom look up. And see, God allows these things to get us to look up. Are you looking up? Or are you looking down at the earth? So, something to consider. And so even though the church right now, even though we may not be going through uh, persecution today, what we're going through right now is just a trial, isn't it? It's not a persecution. The government is not coming up, down upon us and saying, you know, you can't meet anymore. Well, actually they are, but for different reasons. Um, that there's coming, you, you understand what I'm saying. If it wasn't for the health of people, things would be back to normal. This is something that's hit the whole world all in one big wide paintbrush Okay, in one big brush stroke, God has uh, allowed this on on the earth. But it's not just about the church. Certainly, we're we're involved in it, and we need to respond uh, to it. 
but he's allowing it for a reason. But he's gonna, he has been and will continue to be with us through it. And so it's not wrong to pray for deliverance from these things. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9, one of my favorite verses, it says, For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and what that means is, is it doesn't necessarily mean that we're not going to go through tribulation. The Bible says that the church won't go through the great tribulation period. We, we know that that period is a period that's coming upon the earth after the church is removed in the rapture. We know that that's going to happen, but we are not going to go through that tribulation, but we will go through difficulties in this life. The first century church did, and we are not exempted from difficulties and trials. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 10, Paul said this to his young protege. He said, But you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's just a question of to what extent. Paul certainly at his time, he suffered great persecution, even to the point where finally they put Paul, when he, when he was led to Rome, it tells us there in the book of Acts, that when he finally got to Rome, what did Nero do? Caesar Nero, he chopped Paul's head off. He had a, either a, a, an axeman uh, cut his head off. And Paul knew that that was coming, and it didn't dissuade him from his course. He finished his course right and well. Look at verse 10 again. It says, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. This devil is Diabolos, and uh, he was going to bring persecution against the church. And notice, don't, don't fear these things uh, because you're going to be tested. The idea here is to be examined, to be scrutinized, you know, to examine at, like under a microscope. And, and that's what happens here. Uh, there's a, a phrase, and you've heard me say it, a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. I can say that I have faith, and I can boast of great faith. I, I don't, but if I did, I could do that. But the Lord allows things to happen in my life to really prove to me. He scrutinizes. He knows, but I don't know my, the extent of my faith. And sometimes I don't really know until a trial comes into my life. I don't know until something comes into me, into my life, that just shakes up the apple cart then I find out really where I'm at. I find out really what I'm made of. In fact, in James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And this, is, this word trials is, is putting to the proof. You know, you're proofing it. You're, you're whole, the, the, the people in the ancient Israel and in the ancient uh, Middle East, when they would buy a piece of pottery, they would hold it up to the sun, and they, they were actually proving it. They were scrutinizing it because holding it up to the light they could see whether this thing had been cracked or broken before because they were very skilled at, at, at filling in those cracks and assembling the thing together and painting it again and making it look like it was fine when in actuality it really wasn't. It had been broken before. But that's the idea. Count it all joy, he says, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing or the proving of your faith, what does it produce? It produced patience. Patience is a steadfast endurance, Right? And then he goes down in verse 12 of that same chapter in James 1, and he says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. 
For when he has been approved, he will receive, notice, the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt him, nor does he himself tempt anyone. The devil is the one who tempts. But God, in, in these words here in verses 12 and 13, these words tempted, the majority of them here, are the same exact word we saw in verse 10 where it says that you will be tested. The word tested is the exact same thing here. You're being tempted. Let no one say when he is tested, I am tested of God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself test anyone. He, he allows it to happen, and, and God knows the results. Sometimes we don't know what the results are, but he allows those things to, to try us to, to, so that we might know where we stand. And I tell you, knowing where it is that you are is, is, a, is a good thing. Because, again, I can, I can march around with all this bravado and, and boast of some great faith and then to realize when a storm comes up, I'm running for the hills. I'm screaming out loud and I'm, you know, cowering under my bed. You know, we don't always know these things until they come upon us. It says in Hebrews chapter 11 in that great hall of faith chapter, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, it's the same word here as we, as we read uh, in this chapter in verse 10 here. When he, he was tested when he offered up Isaac, whom he had received, or he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. And so Abraham was tested. God knew the outcome of Abraham's obedience. He was going to go through it. You recall he pulled that knife up and he, his young son, he was probably 30 years old at this time, he was going to plunge the knife into his chest there on the Temple Mount in Israel in that area. And God, remember, stopped him because God wanted to find out, are you, are you, are you willing? I'm, I don't want you to do this, Abraham, but are you willing to? And at the time, Abraham didn't know that God was going to stop him. He was already going to go through with it, knowing very well that God did not approve of the pagan uh, practice of human sacrifice. He knew that. But he also trusted God that even if he did put Isaac to death, that God would raise him from the dead. That's what the rest of that passage tells us. And why are we tested? Why, are we, why do we go through these things? In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7, these things happen to us that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious, listen to this, than gold that perishes. Gold perishes. It doesn't last forever. But the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is awesome to consider. Um, My faith is being tested, and it's good for me because I need to know. God already knows the outcome. He can't learn anything. The moment he learns, he ceases to be God. If you read Psalm 139, he knows all things. There's there's nothing I, I... Even the thoughts that I'm going to think tomorrow, God knows. The very words that I speak tomorrow, God has already heard them. Can you imagine a being like that? that? That's who we're dealing with. That's who we worship. That's who we love. I love in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 10, he says, he's speaking to Israel in, in this passage, and he says, Behold, I have refined you, 
but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Have the Jews gone through the furnace of affliction? You better believe it. They were, they were tested in Egypt. They were tested in Babylon. They were tested in Assyria. They were tested in all of the countries throughout the world that they were dispersed from when the Romans attacked them in 70 AD. They were tested and still are being tested more than any other people. I tell you, these folks are amazing. I love the Jewish people and I love the land of Israel. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcasts. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.